You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, how you guys doing this week? All right, David Hall. I'm here. Greg Hectus. I'm finally back. And he's taking over my role of racing all the time. Tony Groves. Good evening, fellas. Welcome. And special guest, Evan Pasoko. Back for another week, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, welcome. Yeah, we had the Coke race in a pretty kind of historic situation with the Daytona road being switched to quickly uh, from Watkins Glen and and with the new uh, chicane and everything. It looks like before the race, we even had a hype video put out uh, by iRacing uh, trying to get uh, the NASCAR fans involved, too. Uh, What do you think about uh, going into the race? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about kind of the unique situations um, that iRacing's been in this year. Um, you know, kind of the the an all-time first was the whole North Wilkesboro thing going back in time. And then in this case, we kind of go forwards in time and, and we get a, a track or a layout of a track uh, before it was actually run uh, in real life. And, uh, you know, it just so happened that uh, because iRacing scanned the Roval in last year that they were using the same style of curb. So they actually had that scan data already present. Basically, Daytona sent over to iRacing, hey, this is kind of the schematics of, of what that chicane looks like and uh, they're able to build it kind of right alongside uh, Daytona. So, um, you know, when it was announced that it was going to be on the actual calendar, uh, it was it was really exciting. And, uh, of course, funny, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks back about, you know, what the situation was going to be. And I said, well, I think we're still going to Watkins Glen. And, and they did end up changing it. And uh, I, I think it was a good choice. We didn't really see, I think, the crapshoot that we're expecting to see this weekend. But uh, it's still a really fun layout. I've uh, turned some laps and, you know, embarrassingly slow, which is to be expected. But uh, it's a super fun layout. I thought it was really cool that iRacing was able to put this together. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the race. Uh of course, no surprise, Bobby Zelensky starts on the pole by over four tenths. I didn't expect four tenths, uh, but that was no surprise. Yeah, I mean, listen, we know Bobby's the guy to look to. And, you know, even in some of the other times on the road courses into which he's gone to victory lane, he's not always, you know, that far <laughs> ahead of everybody else. I mean, you know, top three qualifier, whatever it have you. And he kind of gets you on those long runs. But yeah, I mean, the field, honestly, though, really impressed me aside from the difference between first and second, uh, you know, qualifying through everybody else was actually real tight. Um, you know, I was expecting, uh, you know, when you kind of get down into the 20s and the 30s that we would be way spread out, but that wasn't the case. I think everybody was within kind of four or five tenths of a second, uh, you know, from like second to 37th. And then Bobby had nearly a half a second on his own. Uh, it's incredible what he's able to do. And You know, obviously he has that road racing experience, which is good. And it doesn't, you know, just kind of translate one-to-one scale what he does on the road side of things in the sim outside of the Coke series. And then what he's able to do in this, because these stock cars, you know, aren't really made to go around these road courses. So uh, it is kind of a unique challenge. And uh, I I think it just shows you uh, how how adept he is 
uh, as a driver that uh, I think he's easily the best road course racer we've ever seen. Yeah, it was a real clean start as Bobby drove away from the field. Um, and about lap five, Zach Novak goes around and he lost some spots. Uh, lap seven, Clampett faded a little from second to fourth. And then a big uh, uh, thing for Jarl Tien is Ray Alfala completely uh, kind of messed up the bus stop and uh, sends Jarl for quite a ride in the grass. Yeah, he just totally missed his braking point, uh, kind of went way off it in there. And, and then unfortunately, I think... Uh, you know, maybe if, if he had missed it by a little bit more, Ray kind of just abandons that chicane and he takes the slowdown penalty, but, uh, you know, he, he kind of tried to salvage it. And, and once he turned left when he was in the grass to try to get back onto the racetrack, as opposed to just cutting the chicane, he, I mean, he's just a passenger at that point. And, and it's a tough break for Jarl, who's had a lot of those tough breaks this year, because, you know, you mentioned Zach Novak, who had that, that self-spin on his own. He's able to come back in this race and recover for a top 10. Uh, Jarl Tien does not come back. That uh, that ends his night, and he finishes in P36. That's kind of the year it's been for Jarl. Yeah, and then next up, uh, pit stops. I thought it was a little earlier. I, early, I thought, but um, we had Busa, uh, Luza, Kerwin, and others pitting at lap 12. Uh, Eric Smith went off at 14, and then a bunch of cars pitted on lap 15, uh, including the leader, uh, but still leading after that pit cycle, basically, Bobby Zelensky, uh, now ahead of Nick Ottinger, who was running in the second, had a great day. Yeah, and it was, you know, 15 kind of made sense because we went racing for 45 laps. So the obvious decision was to go for the two stopper uh, and, and you basically split it into thirds, right? So pitting at 15, pitting at 30, and you got kind of three equally uh, 15 lap length runs uh, to get through this race. I did find, though, I don't want to say disappointing, but of course, like in some of the Sonoma races in the past, it's been a little bit more open with the length of the race to go for the two stopper to go for the one. So I think maybe a 40 lap race would have been interesting because you could have had some drivers try to stretch to go for one stop while also, I think, leaving the two stopper open to kind of bring that tire uh, strategy into effect. But I mean, 45 was long because, you know, we're running half the length of Cup Series races. The Cup race is only 65 laps on the road course. I mean, that is not a long race and, and we ran w well more than, than half distance uh, doing 45. So uh, those are just my observations from the race length and, and the strategy did kind of remain a bit cookie cutter. So I think that's why you saw guys you mentioned like Busa and Luza uh, kind of coming to the pit lane really early because you were kind of at a box where you couldn't do a lot with strategy. So that was kind of your only play. Right, exactly. And the uh, track position was king. So qualifying was really important. Um, and so, anyway, lap 19, we actually picked up a good battle between Bolin and Davies and Kerwin, uh, fighting it out for 14th. But what a three-way battle. And then documented early issues with uh, uh, <clears throat> Schoenberg, Colin Keister, Jarl Tien, Chris Overland. Um, Schoenberg ended up retired from the event. Yeah, all uh, I think those, I don't know if Eric J. Smith was, uh, I think Eric was also out of the race, but I mean, all those four guys don't get to our scheduled distance. I mean, they all finish in the garage and, you know, Carl with, or Jarl with complications, um, you know, from the contact with Ray. And, and at that point, by the time he got it back going, he was so far behind, his car was beat up. Uh, you know, Chris Overland thought that maybe he could, uh, I think he said he was aiming for a top 30. If he could just stay out of trouble, wasn't able to, gets involved in an incident. And, you know, I think that's kind of the calamity that we were expecting to see more widespread. But you talked about qualifying and track position being key. There was a couple of drivers who were, you know, up 
20 spots from where they started. But for the most part, you either gained a few or you only lost a few. I mean, we didn't really see a lot of movement through the field. And uh, I'm actually impressed um, considering that. And, and of course, the fact that they only had about a week and a half to practice with the track on the sim, um, you know, how clean, for the most part, uh, they were able to keep it. Yeah, I'm really impressed, especially after running there myself and seeing how hard it is. But I'm lucky to get a lap in without right. getting some sort of wall or bumping up on a curb and destroying the other side of my car. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Kudos, it was clean uh, pretty much the whole race. Yeah, um, but after that, you know, uh, the battle was on for second place. Uh, Zelensky was pretty much checked out. Uh, Jimmy Mullis, uh, the best of the rest right then. He was looking good. Uh, he needed a good a points night uh, to, to close in on that bubble for the playoff. Yeah, that was kind of a fun fight as well. You know, you talk about the pit strategy with, with Mullis and, of course, Ottinger qualified uh, in second. And Jimmy uh, was one of those drivers who pitted early on that first cycle. So, uh, or actually, it was, it was Jimmy trying to get around Nick, but Nick went for the undercut, kind of got P2 back. But I think Jimmy was that little bit better, uh, was able to pass him back. So they were kind of trading off. Uh, second and third as the night went on. And, you know, Jimmy has had a really good couple of weeks here. He wasn't that great, admittedly, uh, a few weeks back at Michigan. He kind of dropped a little bit in the points, finished in 21st position. Uh, you know, it wasn't really uh, because he was involved in anything nasty. It was just not a good race for him overall. But, uh, you know, you couple New Hampshire, of course, his win, followed up with a runner-up at Daytona is going to put him in a really good spot. Uh, as he tries to make this battle interesting, you know, playoff bubble is going to get more and more fun with uh, four weeks left now. So uh, it was, you know, we talk and, and we'll look at the schedule, obviously, when we're done talking about the race here. But we, you know, talk about the uncertainty of having two plate races up in the next four weeks. This race with that lack of calamity, it was, you know, unless you're Yarl and poor guy, most of the incidents on track were kind of single car wrecks. Not a lot of people were getting wiped out by cars around them. So it came down to you could control your destiny in this race. Put the practice time in, keep it clean, go to good points night. And, you know, in my mind, when I think that, I'm thinking of the guys who aren't road fans and they squeak out a top 20, squeak out a top 15. That's good points for them. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy did exactly what he needed to do. Yep. And uh, nice to see Steve Latart join in for a discussion uh, about the race and, you know, him studying what's going on, getting ready for the actual NASCAR race. And then uh, you guys talked about the happy hour thing that uh, iRacing put on as well. Yeah, that was cool. So we did that last night, and that was streaming at NASCAR.com. And I was uh, I was helping out Ty Majeski's group, um, just kind of listening in on their radio, helping them out if they needed anything, just kind of working back and forth with the broadcast. And and that was fun because they had uh, Briscoe on the uh, Xfinity car. You had Majeski, obviously, in the truck, and then uh, Willie B in the cup car, and they were kind of doing a test in tune. So uh, I was listening in to Ty Majeski, his crew chief, and Keegan Leahy. This is last night. Uh, kind of talking about adjustments and, uh, you know, and I think that what broadcasted in here is what I was hearing. And I was kind of relaying that to them is some of the big points to watch out for this week that Keegan was emphasizing um, is, of course, you want to get that car as low to the ground as you can when you're on the super speedway banking without it dragging, because if it drags, you're going to lose about a tenth down in one and two on the oval and three and four a piece. Um, and as well, they were messing a lot with the brake bias, trying to not lock up the front tires. So uh, that was kind of the the focus of that half hour thing. I thought it was a cool, uh, you know, a little bit of added content is, uh, again, with, with the total lack of practice, 
uh, iRacing is kicking off uh, the week at the Roval. So that was a cool event, and it was nice to have Steve join us on Tuesday night for uh, for two weeks in a row. He's such a great uh, proponent of all things sim racing and uh, is always nice with giving us his time and, and letting us pick his brain. So uh, it was cool to, to see him be able to take some notes, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot of talk about iRacing uh, over the course of this race weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 16 to go. Uh, Bobby has a 35-second lead over Leahy. Uh, eight seconds back uh, from there, Jimmy Mullis, Nichols, Novak, Vincent, Lowe, Clampett, Conti. Uh, that uh, There was a good battle between Challoner and Clampett on 13 to go uh, for fourth. Uh, <clears throat> then on 12 to go, Bobby has a 15-second lead over Mullis, Ottinger, Challoner, uh, Clampett. Um and then it was a nice segment I, I wanted to bring up here where you showed a, a video of the drivers on how to get involved in sim racing. Um, and I thought that was kind of neat, like a commercial. Yeah, and it helped because we've had you know that kind of content sitting in our back pocket all year. And it's tricky because you know most of the races... I mean, we don't have, aside from, you know, New Hampshire and, and whatnot, we don't have a lot of races where there's just tons of, of downtime. So uh, we've had all that content that was recorded at Media Week. And, of course, you get into a road race where you know there's not going to be any cautions. And we kind of figured it might spread out just a little bit. So so we had all that ready so that we're not just, I mean, we're still obviously looking at the cars going around the racetrack. And, and I think that we took a lot of onboards, which is my favorite thing to do with the road courses, especially. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good to have an opportunity, I think, where we could kind of integrate that into the broadcast where it didn't feel too forced. And uh, yeah, we had a, a lot of cool segments like that. And, and we're going to show a lot more stuff like that as the season goes on. I don't know if we're going to try to get it all out of the way. Uh, before we turn the keys to the kingdom over to NBC later, because we've only got uh, two weeks left with our normal broadcasts. But uh, yeah, uh, kudos to, to Iris and everybody for recording that at the start of the year. Yep. Evan, are you going to be helping out at all on that, or is it just going to be completely turned over? We we don't know anything yet, and I figure that because of uh, because I think NBC is still doing everything remote or mostly remote. Um, last year when we did the NBC stuff, it was a full on NBC production where they were actually running it. Now that iRacing has their broadcast room and of course iRacing did the, the IndyCar stuff. So iRacing already has like an NBC theme built. iRacing wants to do it. I mean, that's kind of their preferred thing. Now, if iRacing does it, that's one question, you know, who's going to be talking and whatnot is a, is a totally different one. So I'm sure I'll be helping out uh, in some way, but uh, we, we really don't have anything final uh, as far as, you know, what, what the broadcasts are going to look like. But uh, the plan is still as it was at the start of the year uh, that we'll be doing those last six on Thursdays with NBC. I just, I wish I knew the, the answers on the logistics, but we're not quite hammered out yet. I love the shooting from the hip feel, though, but that's the way it's been in 2020 with iRacing and NASCAR, and it's worked. Yeah, it has, and, and it's been, you know, so much dialogue back and forth, and, you know, iRacing, uh, NASCAR is posting videos like every week on the, the NASCAR drive, drivers at actual NASCAR Media Day doing laps in the sim, and I think that, you know, last year was the stepping stone. Um, I, I still feel like with, with all the downtime we had that, that the Coke series deserved some TV time when there was nothing else going on, but it, it's good that we have those six weeks coming up. Yep. And then uh, seven to go. Corey Vincent uh, is having a great run, gets by Michael Conti for sixth place. Uh, five to go. Corey Vincent has suspension damage from the turtles and falls back a bit trying to hang on though. Um, there hasn't been a lot of people moved through the field 
the top 10 that all started in the top 10 uh, were running top 10 as they run on lap 36. Uh, John Gordlinski did start last and moved up the most spots so far, uh, 17 spots. Yeah, and, and I touched on that a bit before. We just didn't see, with the exception of guys like John and, and maybe one or two of the guys that were way up, and, and I think that was... I don't know if they did. I don't remember the exact number on the cars at the back of the field that actually didn't put a time in NQ and, and actually just opted to go for the provisional. But the only guys that had big gains were those cars. Um, you know, it, it was kind of that qualifying for once was an accurate representation of race pace. Um, and, you know, you kind of, like I said, five spots in front of you were up for grabs. The five spots behind you were probably going to challenge you. But uh, we didn't see a lot of big swings, and and the only times we did was guys that didn't qualify, kind of making their way up to the field, or of course uh, guys getting in some trouble, like we touched on earlier. And people not making mistakes, just great driving. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was surprised. Uh, you know, we we saw a couple. You know, Novak notably, we we caught that one on camera. Uh, there was a couple other ones that we talked about that we didn't see uh, on video, and I'm sure there were more that you know we we totally missed with uh, all 14 different corners. And I'm sure the drivers are thankful uh, we didn't get the nice replays of them uh, screwing it up. But yeah, I mean, especially for you know. Not only, I mean, like, I'm sure a lot of these guys have run the Daytona road course before, just not in these cars. So that chicane off of four on the ovals obviously was a big question. But yeah, I was impressed with how little uh, mistakes we saw. I, I think you're going to see a lot more mistakes this week, this weekend in real life than you did uh, in the sim race. And, and of course, I mentioned that they, quote, only had uh, a week and a half of practice. I bet you they put so much time in that uh, it didn't even feel rushed. I, I think the biggest thing is, too, is to make up time, you had to be like almost a second faster than somebody to actually make up time. That field was too tight. Like there wasn't enough. There wasn't an outbreaking zone. There isn't a. They just the track isn't designed for um, for those big hard breaking zones to outbreak somebody. That chicane, the second chicane, actually takes away one of the main places you can make moves as well. Yeah, it's it's too tight, and of course, you know, we we saw today that Daytona actually uh, <laughs> even upped up the curbs, where the the kind of flat curbs that you're used to that uh, were then kind of backed up by the turtles are gone, and it's just all turtles now in that 13 and 14 chicane. It, yeah, it's not a passing zone. It's uh, you know try to get the car through one a single car through in one piece without without destroying it. And listen, that's why a lot of the drivers when when we announced it were were kind of mad because uh, you know Watkins Glen's a great track. I know it's an old scan, and and of course getting up to date with what NASCAR's running was a big incentive for iRacing to make the change. And I think you go back uh, and you and you do it all over again. You make the change 100% of the time. But uh, Watkins Glen certainly a totally different dynamic. Yeah, and then with two to go, uh, Bobby Zelensky, 18-second lead at that point over Mullis, Ottinger, Challoner, Clampett. And then Challoner, Clampett, boy, a great battle there at the end on the final lap for P4. And Challoner was holding him off, and uh, and that was really fun to, to at least have that to watch. As, uh, Bobby wins it by over 18 seconds, his fifth road course win in a row in this series. Yeah, he is. Uh, I, I don't think Bobby's entered a road course race in the Coke series and, and, and has not won it. Uh, he's total domination. And, you know, we'll we'll go race it at the Charlotte Roval in a couple of weeks and, and we'll be kind of cute about it. We'll say, you know, hey, he's the favorite when in reality we should say that, you know, 99% chance he wins it unless something goes horribly wrong. Um, and that kind of he can put in his back pocket. He mentioned when we talked to him post race that he loves 
the fact that that's where it falls on the schedule because it's a very, very confident way to, to kick off the playoffs for him. Whereas, you know, you, you might get some of the drivers that are up there. And, and of course, you know, it's not totally set, but, you know, Ray Fallon, this race, not even a top 20 car, uh, you know, that could be a slow start to the postseason for him if he's able to stay top eight. So uh, it, it's looking up for Bobby in terms of, uh, you know, that schedule working out for him with uh, Charlotte, the role will be in the, the round of eight for two years in a row now. Yeah, and uh, he's only two points out of the uh, point lead now. Uh, Keegan's two points ahead of him, so he moves up there real close. And uh, Jimmy Mullis uh, moves up to ninth. He's only five points out of the the cutoff there, so he uh, really uh, positioned himself well. But uh, people like Brad Davies, man, uh, really uh, had a tough day. And it was tough for Chris Sheerburn too. I mean, it's if you look back three weeks ago, he's kind of exactly where he was. He got a big boost uh, from the result at Michigan. But of course, uh, in this one coming home 23rd, which again, isn't brutal. It's better than Ray Alfala was. But, you know, that's what you want out of that race is you, you're not a road racer. Get a, a kind of low 20th position and and take it and move on. And and I know he wants more than that, but I mean, that dropped Sherbin down three spots. He's now out, uh, not by a ton. Uh, I think the difference up to the bubble uh, for Sherburn is, is closer to 10 points or so. So it's still well within striking distance with four weeks to go, but you know, he kind of takes a big hit uh, and all of that. And of course you mentioned with Zelensky going up to second in the points. That's with Ryan Luza dropping down. Luza has been awfully quiet, for the last month, two months or so. And, and he's going to want to turn that around and maybe get a bit of momentum going in these last few weeks before we get to the playoffs. Cause you, you kind of don't want to go in uh, with your feet cold. Yeah. And then shout out to Christian Schallander who finished fourth. He moves up to 21st uh, right there on the cutoff for uh, staying in the series. So he's trying to fight in for the top 20. So that's another uh, fight to watch. Yeah, and we're going to watch that all the way through the end of the year. Zach Novak, of course, is is kind of the the highlight name down there, um, who is you know below the cut but starting to run well. I think that he is not going to have a chance to fight for a postseason spot. I think that uh, that gap's close to like seventy points still. It's just not doable. I mean, mathematically, yes, uh, it's possible, but. Honestly, Zach Novak can win the next four races. I don't think he makes up 70 points worth of points. The point spread just isn't big enough. And, and without the winning you're in, it just doesn't happen. So so his objective is to just kind of stay in this thing and, and hopefully, you know, talk it back with the playoff bubble with Mullis kind of picking things up that, that he'll kind of be the flag bearer uh, for Richmond Raceway this year. Yep. Yep. All right. And so the next race coming up, uh, what do you expect is going to happen there? We're back uh, onto the super speedway, which uh, has, has been on the schedule from the get go. And, and it's kind of anybody can win at Daytona. I mean, these are all drivers uh, that are, you know, high above average plate racers. I know a lot of them still aren't a fan of it, but uh, you know, the, it's going to be even tighter than what you saw as far as practice putting in uh, the setups that little bit extra, I think is going to help. But I mean, anybody could win this race and, and it's going to be a crapshoot. Like I said, there is no winning you're in, so you're not going to be wrecking guys, uh, but you're going to see uh, more faces up front. I think in the season opener, we saw like a, a handful of drivers, half the field, whatever, kind of hang back. And you're going to have some of that, but I think more drivers are going to want to be aggressive. Uh, this and Talladega, of course, is the regular season finale, are your chances to make up points big. And the fact that we have two plate races in the final four weeks of the regular season means that we can kind of 
analyze the the playoff bubble and and the relegation bubble all we want but there's no way uh to predict a plate track and and i think it'd be fun if we can see some first-time winners out of that and uh maybe if you're kind of looking in the range of you know the Shearburns, davies vincents and nichols of the world who need wins and and are kind of right there that need a little bit more uh it could be big well yeah i love the plate races it's gonna be fun I had a quick question, uh, Evan. Um, in the first uh, race of the year at Daytona, uh, a couple cars had that really uh, weird setup. The monster truck setup, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Is that something that iRacing has addressed, or, or are we going to be seeing that again in two weeks? I believe it's gone. I think it yeah, got patched within right. a couple of weeks. Um, but I would, I mean, that's not to say that they're not looking for something else, right? And it, and it's funny because, I mean, that wasn't something that caught iRacing off guard either. I mean, the teams had kind of found that. And, and listen, part of motorsports, like we saw with the whole uh, Alex LeBay thing testing, and turns out they didn't technically break a rule how it was written, so they get away with it. It's always been about kind of working within the boundaries that are set for you and, and trying to find an exploit, basically. And they found one. Uh, the monster truck cars ran well in the season opener at Daytona. I don't think you're going to see something quite like that uh, this time around, but I'm sure they're experimenting with all kinds of different things and, and trying to find something. But yeah, I don't think we'll see the uh, the ride height pumped way up like we did in February. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch, though. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Evan Pasoko, thank you for coming on and talking Coke racing with us. And uh, hey, we'll catch you next time. We will tune in. Uh, it'll be the 25th at the end of the month here on Tuesday, 9 Eastern at enascar.com. And uh, plate races are always fun, so it'll be a thriller. All right, very good. Bobby Zelensky is out of the bus stop for the final time, keeping it loose on the onboard as he'll have to get through one final chicane and continue his road course dominance with a fifth straight road course win in the Enascar Coca-Cola iRacing Series with a slide first style, Zelensky dominates and wins at the Daytona Road Course. I love the Coke racing, but let's talk uh, dirt racing next, Brian. Uh, World of Outlaws late model. Yeah, guys, so uh, Monday night was round number eight out of ten of the Morton's Builders World of Outlaws Late Model Series, where they went to historic Knoxville Speedway. And this is the fifth week with a new championship points leader going into the race, which is just nuts. Uh, this time, uh, Hayden Carwell comes in as the driver of the beat. Uh, with Dylan Wilson, he's just five points behind Hayden. And Evan C., if you remember, had a disastrous week last week at Fairbury after he was wrecked out, is in third place. But he's got a 50-point mountain to climb, so it's not going to be easy for Evan. Um, but the drama this week, it really started early when uh, Dylan Wilson, who was, again, a second in points, he failed to post a time in the qualifying session. So he is going to start at the very end of the rear of heat number three. So uh, he's got a big mountain to climb himself just to stay in contention. Yep. And then Drew Hopkins uh, takes the first heat after setting quick time in qualifying. And heat two is won by Tyler Descharm. So that takes us to heat three, where Dylan Wilson starts in last in a stacked field, including champions from the past two years. But Dylan managed to work his way up to fourth to make the feature with Kendall Tucker taking the win. Then Evan Say takes a fourth heat after a physical battle with Hayden Cardwell, who finishes second. Yeah, Mike, and um, 
And and Dylan Wilson, his calling card this year to stay up so close in the points race has really been just to qualify well, be consistent, and get top five finishes. He's never really had to do any kind of super aggressive type of driving. Uh, but um, yeah, starting starting uh, in the back of the of the heat, that is going to be an issue. So uh, so we'll see how that plays out in the future. But um, so starting the future, uh, Drew Hopkins, who was on the pole. Uh, and uh, points leader Hayden Cardwell was going to start eighth this time, and Dylan Wilson is going to start second, in uh, Dylan, uh, who's second in points, I should say, started 15th place. So Kendall Tucker takes the lead on lap three from Drew Hopkins until the first caution on lap eight, when Evan sees bad luck just continues, and he's upside down for the second straight week. Um, and then on lap 10, Hayden Carwell makes his way to second place. So he's moved all the way up to second in 10 laps by passing Drew Hopkins, who on the next lap after that, he got tangled with Tyler Ducharme and brings out a caution on lap 11 and ending Hopkins' night. Okay. And then after that, several uh, laps, Alex Bergeron and Dylan Hauser were exchanging contact. But it's championship contender Dylan Wilson who pays the price and gets spun on lap 15, sending him to the rear of the field and with damage. On the restart, Cardwell's battling for the lead with Tucker with the possibility of running away with the championship. But on lap 18, he loses his internet connection and doesn't return until he's nine laps down. Ouch! That has got to be hurt, especially on lap uh, race eight of ten. Yeah, because... Uh... I mean, he was, you know, he came in as the points leader. He was a few points ahead of uh, Dylan Wilson. Wilson had just been involved in an incident where he was sent to the back of the field. He is he is coasting, and then he just disappeared from the race. Uh, his internet connection caused problems, and uh, yeah, that was not a good time for that to happen. Yeah, Kendall Tucker holds off a challenge from Devin Morgan to win his first World Championship race. Kendall Tucker. Well done. Uh, there was a change in the points lead with Dylan Wilson back on top by just one point over Cardwell and Kendall Tucker back in the hunt in third, 15 points down. Round nine will be Monday at Williams Grove. Who knows what will happen? Yeah, it's, it was it was quite an exciting race where, where uh, things were changing um, just on the fly in that race where where things the story was completely rewritten almost lap after lap it was just a really exciting race um just you just never know what's going to happen in these late model races and i'm looking forward to uh round number nine at williams grove with just two races to go well i guess greg's sleeping over here i'm here i didn't know we were transitioning but we're gonna go to the next topic i guess uh moving on to uh iRacing Happy Hour, uh, they posted up the other day um, that they were going to have a happy hour at the new Daytona Road Course, and uh, they uh, were going to do it Wednesday night, so it's already passed, um, where they were going to have uh, Ty Majeski, uh, Chase Briscoe, and William Byron um, set lap times and try and get better. Uh, they were also going to have their um, have a crew chief and engineer with them, trying to get better and better as they're going. But before that, um, they were going to have, uh, we could all set the fastest times in a, in a, uh, a trial and a time attack and, uh, see whoever gets to get close or get set a time. And when these guys go out there and practice and do their thing on live TV, the closest one gets to it can actually win the other driver, uh, um, 
I guess it was tickets to the Daytona, uh, 2021 uh, Daytona 500 and some iRacing credits and stuff. So um, that went on. So the last part, um, it ended up happening. I don't know. How many of you guys, did you guys watch this event? I didn't get to watch it, but um, it was interesting. Like uh, Evan was talking about um, how, you know, they had the crew chief involved and, and so forth. And so you had William Byron, you had his crew chief, you know, you had uh, people from iRacing, uh, like some Coke drivers in there too. And they're just kind of working on the set, you know, and trying to make it faster and running laps and that kind of thing. I actually uh, did listen or watch part of it. I wasn't like fully concentrated on it because I was doing other things, but um, it was really interesting because uh, they had your, uh, you know, your Coke driver like William Byron, who actually wound up winning that that uh, contest. Uh, Chad Knaus was in his year, and so was um, Nick Ottinger um, uh, from the Coke series, and they were all discussing. Uh, how to how to make these cars faster and trying to set faster and faster times it was actually pretty interesting it's it's still available on the iRacing youtube channel if you want to ever go back and and watch it again you can you can actually get some uh, setup uh, information on there because they they do live talking uh between the crew chiefs and uh talk about how these changes are going to help them out so it's really uh it gives you a little bit of information on setup stuff too if you're listening well it sounded to me too when i was watching some of the catching up on it Chad Knaus was using it as data for like a whole bunch of different things um, for this weekend coming up. The things that they trying that they would kind of try in real life to see if to fix the car if it actually did the same thing here, and then just working back and forth. He said he learned a couple things from uh, that they were trying virtually that they might now try in the real world for it too as well. So to finish the whole thing up. William Byron ended up setting uh, the fastest lap time. I think he had he ended up beating Garrett Lowe's lap time, which won Garrett Lowe a thousand dollars of iRacing credits and then two tickets to the twenty-one uh, Daytona five hundred. Um, Majeski uh, got Tucker, uh, is it Tucker uh, Minter, uh, a five hundred dollar iRacing credit and another hundred dollar uh, NASCAR gift card. And then Chase Briscoe's lap earned uh, Matthew Benson uh, $250 iRacing credits and uh, $50 NASCAR gift card. And uh, that's all posted on the, Na- the NAS- or iRacing.com Twitter page uh, with three of one of the nicest pictures, or three of the nicest pictures I've come across, the way that they've, the angles and everything. Those are really well done photos of the, tr- of the vehicles that participated. So I think it's the other way around. I think... Um, Garrett Lowe had the fastest lap by seven tenths over William Byron. Is that what it was? Okay, I I, I didn't see what Garrett Lowe's time was uh, when I picked it up. From what uh, I know that from where William Byron started and where he finished, he gained a lot of time. So the yeah. idea I think was the time attack to set a, a you know a benchmark, and so Garrett Lowe had the fastest time in that, and then William Byron went out to try to hey let's try to get to that time. But he got yeah. within seven tenths. Exactly. It was, it, he got he got pretty close to him, and that's why he won. Um, uh, Garrett Lowe's uh, time was like, if I remember, it was one forty six, high one forty sixes, and uh, and William Bryant came in just in the low one forty sevens. Okay. Yeah, I missed that section of it. I didn't. Like I said I tuned into it later on. But uh, celebrity rigs. Uh, 
Is there something about that, Hall? Well, yeah. Um, Marcus Smith, you might know the name, you might not. Isn't, isn't he the son of Bruton Smith? Yep. Yeah, he own, he's the uh, president and CEO of Speedway Motorsports now. Um, and he's, got, he's joined the Carolina Simworks family. And Carolina put out a, a tweet basically uh, congratulating him. And it looks like they're a, a standard tubular framing uh, rig with triples. Yep. Uh, looks like Fan Attack, uh, maybe 2.5 CSL and uh, V3 uh, pedals, perhaps. Yeah, and that's the, but he's got the uh, he's got a Pappas wheel there, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. it is an MPI yes. wheel. It's just a very nice basic rig. It's basically a good starting rig that you can start up with that you know gets you through for a long time. I'm liking the triple monitor uh, mount, uh, which is independent of the rig. It looks like it's solid. Yeah, as long as he doesn't want to try to go motion, because you don't want those monitors not moving if you're in motion. Right. I think he's well, just welcome. getting into doing it, right? Because this is uh, Dale Earnhardt's big buddy too, right? Because he's the one that helped him get things scanned. Right. Yeah, he, he helped that at North Wilkesboro. Correct, yeah. He owns it. He's the owner. He, this guy's a multimillionaire. you got to remember that part. I think well, he always travels with Dale when he actually goes to the track. Yeah, pretty cool that he's on iRacing. And, and this is a guy that he's, you got to remember with NASCAR and, and how that NASCAR makes decisions, this guy is integral in all those decisions because he owns half the tracks. And so um, he's a key player. And for him to have a rig now and, and have his own triples and, and be uh, out there on the track with us, that's awesome. It's going to be great. Almost like a decision to put in a chicane. Well, that might have some value to it for sure. Um, Kelly Crandall from uh, on racer.com put up an article uh, telling the story how Steve Myers used the sim to test cut cars on Daytona road course. And then he's, uh, you know, he saw problems with the original layout and iRacing was able to work together with NASCAR uh, to get that chicane put in there. Um, and quickly too. So it would be ready for, you know, this weekend's, uh, race and, uh, well, <laughs> one, if not all of the, uh, the guys are going to be on iRacing all week, but Harvick openly admitted that he'll be wearing out iRacing before, um, getting into the simulator, uh, later on this week. That's a very quick summary of this article. The article, um, is, uh, definitely worth a read it's well written and there's a lot of good stuff in there so check that out on racer.com well and using iRacing and having it this week they have been able to see some flaws too with it if they if they wanted to like i know they made the update today to penalize us a lot more with that chicane um so the, the cutting isn't happening that's been going on to get it to rotate the car but I don't know if they're going to be, I, I haven't heard anything if they're going to be changing that into real life to make them more steeper curves, but um, it, it is definitely something where they're getting data from and where they located the chicane is, it's actually, I thought it was going to be really hard to get the car slowed down as much as it was, but it seems to be not as a big a problem as, as I once thought trying to get these cars old up. You just have to make sure you don't miss your mark because you're coming around that corner and you basically you're, uh, your stopping point or your your lifting point at least is almost before you're out of the corner. 
this article is based on the interview uh, Kelly did with uh, Steve Myers from iRacing. And I'm going to read a quote uh, from the article. Uh, he's talking about Ben Kennedy, who is the vice president of racing development for NASCAR. He's also um, obviously Bill France Jr.'s grandson and he's heir apparent to NASCAR. But anyway, here's the quote. He said, I said, Ben, the cup guys, some of them are going to get simulator time, but we know the truck and Xfinity guys aren't going to get any time in the simulators, most likely, said Myers. The only option they're going to have to practice for this race is iRacing. He immediately got us all the technical data they had come up with to put the chicane together. He gave me that on a Sunday, and by Tuesday evening, we had it released onto the member site. Well, wow, that's that's quite a turnaround for something like that. It's a, it's actually pretty amazing. And they talked about that a little bit on that um, on that uh, show Wednesday night with the uh, time trial guys. Well, this has all got to do with how they've um, scanned the track. Scanning the track fully, all the surfaces helps it because when you make that cut down into the infield part, if they didn't have it scanned properly, they wouldn't have been able to build this. Exactly. They they would have to rescan the the section of track where the chicane's going to run through. But yeah. But apparently, when they did the full scan of Daytona, they they take all that into consideration. Yeah, it's pretty cool how it worked out. I think they had the chicane in progress before they actually got all that data from NASCAR. That's what made it able to get out that quick too. Well. With all this happening down now, like the title of this topic is the value of a virtual chicane. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of going to speak to like, we've seen what they've been able to do now and Sunday will be, you know, proof in the pudding. Once the guys get out on track and, you know, it all works out or, you know, they'll, they'll figure something out for in real life. You can only do so much with the sim, but, um, you know, going forward when they want to try things, um, this is just going to open up a whole, a whole thing. Like, let's just, you know, we'll get iRacing to, to do this or try this to try that, you know, so a more added bonus to the SIM, more added bonus to real life to keep things, um, you know, fresh and interesting. So really a lot of value. So you're, what you're saying is like having a, the partnership with iRacing, you think like later on, if they're thinking, what if we, change this corner of the track and they ask iRacing, can you build it this way and see what it does? You know, do you think that might ever be a full opportunity that they, that might come to that point? Well, yeah, maybe to that point, but I was thinking more like stuff that they already have and they, and they want to change stuff like, you know, Charlotte Roval, that's a little bit different because, you know, that was totally new, but you know, there's lots of other, um, you know, uh, road tracks that they could possibly go to that may not be um that may need some changes or you know um I, some I got other a perfect example for you tony um how about the choose cone um in fact uh, steve myers tweeted that they're looking at adding it in the choose cone into iRacing but that's a good example. Maybe an NASCAR came to iRacing and said, hey, you know what? We want to see how these races play out when there's a choose cone rule implemented. Can you go ahead and do that in your series and let's see what happens? And and based on that, we'll decide if we want to add it. It'd be good to see it trying to try it in NIS. Nobody can line up properly to begin with. 
Well, exactly. You know, uh, stuff like that. And I'm sure Brian can tell us a little bit more about that, but um, that is a, an absolute very good example. And uh, what I was tripping over my words, kind of trying to get to, there's a whole bunch of value um, using the, the simulator to figure things out for, for real life at a pretty much a fraction of the cost, right? Yeah. The choose cone is obviously they've already started that, but that, you know, th that kind of rule change, that would be great, you know, for us to kind of field out for NASCAR and, and to see how the NIS races play out and, and if they play out how they want, then maybe they'll implement it, you know? Yeah, guys. So, um, as far as the choose cone goes, um, it seems like it's a little bit more complex than, a, uh, than, uh, the adding a chicane to a track that's already scanned that they can turn around in a couple of days. Cause, um, Scott McCann, he asked on Twitter, if there's a chance I race and would ever have the choose cone. And Steve Myers actually got back to him and replied to him. He said that, that we're looking at it, but it's much more work for us, unfortunately, than putting some paint on the track. So it's definitely not a short term project. So, uh, it's kind of implying that it's something that they would like to do, but it's just not a simple project that they can, uh, just whip up real quick just because, uh, NASCAR added it but it's something they want to do and uh and it's just going to take a little while seems like i think the difficulties what what he's talking about there brian is look at the difficulties they had with changing the one lap in under caution trying to trying to fix the super speed or like the longer tracks to fix them breaks the other like this the this the shorter tracks um for caution lap wise and trying to get the right coding and things fixed out like in NASCAR, if you run over it the wrong way, it's up to a person's decision. Did you run over it or not to give you a penalty? Well, in the sim, we all know not everything works right, depending on where your signal bumps and things like that with um, net code and stuff. So did you run it over? Did you not? Like there's all kinds of these variables that they have to create. And I have a feeling you probably we won't see it for this NIS season. It'll be something probably for like the twenty. I'm yeah, going for year. the twenty twenty one build, right? Like it'll Maybe. be for the beginning of next year. Just imagine how think about how jacked things are when you when you have to let people buy who just came out of the pits, and you know. So if you've got any kind of end of line, you can't go in the pits again because if somebody just exit the pits, it's telling you to drop behind them, and and it'll black flag flag you for for passing under yellow. Yeah, Dave, you're, you're exactly right. And that's what I was thinking when you when we were talking about it, how often under yellows you're hearing people saying, I got to get in front of you or you got to pass me or something like that it happens all the time. And that this would just be another another wrench to throw in, into that. Okay, another quick hit story from Steve Myers. Uh, he at, put on Twitter that it's high on his list of features he wants to add when asked by Matt Henderson have you ever discussed the possibility of adding other human drivers to an AI race so we can race with friends? Pretty cool. Don't they already have that? It's called a hosted. Well, it's a mix of, you know, <laughs> human and AI. I'm just being funny, but. <laughs> and, well, depending on who's in there, you have human, AI, and alien. That's true. Right, and this and this would set up a situation where you could you can run whole whole leagues and whole whole uh, seasons with just a couple of buddies and fill out Love the field it. with these cars. Yeah, I think that would be great. 
for leagues, you know, if you only can get 15 guys to come show up, then you can run another 15 AI so you fill a field. Yeah, see, that's what I've been a proponent for, is just kind of filling out fields with AI. If you if you want to, you know, these things need to be like 35, 30 to 40 cars, fill out the rest of the field with a couple AI cars. Right. If, if it ever comes down to that. I know, I don't know what kind of, if Matt Henderson there, when he asked this question, if he's like a, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, played like the old, on the consoles, you play the Forza Motorsports, but they used to take, your the driving habits of your friends from your list um and would copy what they uh it kind of copies their uh the way they drive those tracks and then whenever you're in a race it would take that ai one of the ai cars would become one of your friends um but it's their tendencies to race in that race which it kind of the, the 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 forza was always learning as you as it went so the faster that person got at certain tracks the better they would be to be up against in the ai I just think there's there's different potentials that they could have with a lot of this stuff um, using the AI properly to uh, find a point where it can be implemented in a in a race with us to fill fields to make because that would drive participation more um, at all hours of the day, right? Oh yeah. How many times have I gone looking for a sprint race and there's only one or two drivers in the in the race and i'm like i'm not gonna go in there you know that's a waste I, if it was a full field i'd be in there all the time well i was in a legends race the other night that i didn't know it was it went six cars and i didn't realize that was actually the amount for an official race and i just quit out because i didn't realize it was official but it you know it's six is it really worth it with six cars to me, it's not. I, I want a full field. I, I think that's an important part of my of having oval races, at least. Uh, even I would say road course races too, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, he acknowledged they're looking at it at least, because I think in long term that would be the ideal, uh, especially uh, maybe not an official, but maybe for hosted in league. You know, especially those leagues that are trying to build and, hey, we got 10 guys, we just got 12 and we're trying to get more, but hey, we still have full fields, you know. And I know we've been talking about some merchandise. Uh, somebody else here has uh, been in contact with about merchandise and they're starting a merch shop. Who would that be? This is a listener uh, I hooked up with on email. Um, God, I can't remember his name, but... Um, Anyway, uh, he's got a pretty cool uh, little site. Now, we've talked about this a little bit before, uh, but I thought I'd bring it up again because he's got a website now. Yeah, so he was was he, he was in contact with you before about this, Mike. So it's uh, www.simracingmerch.com. Well, I think it was um, Dave Cameron who uh, had some merchandise that was kind of through this, and then... This has now turned into a website where before I think it was just, uh, uh, you know, some kind of T-shirt place. But now they actually have a, a proper website and so forth and uh, Sim Racing merch. What do you think of the shirts, though? They got some different uh, designs here that uh, some interesting slogans, which I, I like. Oh, these are great. The majority of them are all nicely lighthearted. A lot of fun. Um, like, you know, the one that we're staring right at, you know, semi-pro fake race car driver. Heck, yeah, that's something I would wear. I am the caution. 
yeah, maybe that's something I should wear. But uh, you know, either either. No, they're they're good. They're um, they're they're creative. They're fun. I like I like the My Other Cars Sim Racing League. That's pretty cool too. I really like that one. I am the caution. That would be mine. <laughs> I wish this clock that they made was the one the hashtag soon iRacing clock. They have a clock in the accessories part. I wish it was the uh, hashtag soon. Soon would have been so much so yeah, clever. It says send it is what it says. It's time, time to, to send, send it. it. Yeah, that would that would be good, Greg. If if each of the hours said hashtag soon on it. Speaking of sending, uh, Tony, you want to tell us about this video where it definitely got sent? <laughs> We're talking full send. Um, iRacing threw up on the Twitter and a fun little video of a full field of cars, you know, testing out uh, <laughs> Daytona. And they full send it into, I mean, I'm guessing that's turn one. I, I haven't looked at, I haven't loaded up the track. I don't, I don't think I own the track. Um, but every single car right into the wall, they just all pile up. It's complete mayhem. It's, it's artistic. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous to watch. I've watched it about five times. Well, when did that wall get added? Because that used to be just cones. Uh, the wall was added from the 20. Well, actually you can still drive through it. I'm wondering if this is NASCAR 2003. Yeah, this is yeah. high racing. This, this is, is something cause, else. Because the way they turn like that, it reminds me of Iris or NASCAR 2003. It doesn't say specifically what it's from, but it reminds me of NASCAR 2003 with the way that the everything simulated and the fact that the only way to make the road course is they would have it blocked like that. In iRacing, it's not blocked like that. It reminds well, me of the Roval when Brad Keselowski and others drove it in too deep and all piled into the wall. But in this case, it's the entire field piled in. Basically, they set the cars to restrictor plate race when they were supposed to be going in the deep Daytona infield. There is not one brake tap happening. It's, it's beautiful. Such a beautiful thing. Put all the ARCA drivers in a cup car. Yeah, that that was either the AI or just a planned. They orchestrated it pretty yeah, well. Orchestration. The way they all turn at the same time, it looks AI to me. I don't even know. Does AI work for Daytona Road? I don't even know if you can actually test with those cars. Can you? Um, I know oval works. I'm not sure about road. Do you see how far some of those cars end up on the other straightaway? Well, there's they a cop. They were going fast. There's a competition after the after every race at the Roval at the Charlotte Roval to see if you can jump the wall or not. And then they show them all back on pit road. Yeah, they were definitely resetting. Yeah, Ryan Ellis, the Xfinity driver, posted this uh, actually uh, this weekend. I think it went pretty viral. Uh, I've seen it everywhere. So you know, Bobby is so Zelensky is so uh, good at at the road courses they probably need to put a bounty on them don't you think what kind of bounty do you think that should be hall well the, the kind of money they get paid it could be pretty high but uh this league is actually putting a bounty on one of their members um starting on august 19th they're placing a 40 dollar bounty on richard lucky in their xfinity series 
uh, and it's a, probably a good way to kind of recruit to uh, you have to be able to pass you have to be able to finish ahead of him without wrecking and he has to finish on the lead lap and uh, you have to have a 2500i rating and 2.5 or higher safety rating but no pros or DWC drivers that means pro okay um, and then we've got a link on the script Facebook slash Ohio Sim Racing and you don't have to be from Ohio to, to race that's right and uh, Brett Van Meter put down a throwdown to the, uh, iRacers Lounge to participate in this bounty uh, he posted up on the forums replying to our thread that we update every week with our podcast uh, link uh, saying, hey, love the podcast, Mike. I listen every week. Dale Jr. Download, Door Bumper Clear, and you guys are my go-to podcast. I would like to invite you and your crew to attempt this bounty. We have put on Richard Lucky in our Xfinity series. We are awarding 40 to anyone who can outrun them. Yeah, maybe if uh, it's running when NIS is out of season and the bounty's still up. Well, yeah, that's the problem. It runs when we run our NIS race, and or we'd be there, man, taking that forty bucks. I guarantee it. If we would have known two weeks ago on the nights off, we should have been in there. The two weeks that we didn't have NIS. All right, but somebody out there can get it. One of our listeners, so go go get that bounty, guys, at OhioSimRacing.com. All right, guys. Well, um, apparently uh, iRacing had an issue uh, earlier this week with one of the Australian servers. And the racers, they couldn't get into or they couldn't create sessions. uh, So their communication between the uh, servers was not working. So uh, they posted some – a a bunch of people from Australia actually uh, posted on the forums that they were having an issue. And uh, a staff member, uh, Nicholas Bailey – he uh, posted on the forums after that that they had located an, an affected uh, server that was causing the problem and removed it out of the rotation of the of the race uh, sessions. So uh, all the Australian guys should be back up and running. Okay. I guess they did say, too, here, if there was an issue where when it got pulled uh, that your session got canceled, you can be, uh, need to be in contact with support so they can credit you. Right, because there was a guy on the on the forums that said he paid for a for a session and couldn't get into it. So yeah, so if anybody else out there who uh, paid for a session couldn't get into on the Australian servers, uh, yeah, contact uh, support and uh, still they said they're going to credit your account for whatever you uh, lost on that deal. Right, but don't ask for your I rating and safety rating back. Your I rating back because you're you lost it. You're not going to get it back. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so next up we have is uh, Season 3, Patch 6. I just want to say, man, for them to still be releasing patches in August, you know, mid-August, and the release is in early September, that is is amazing that these these guys just never stop. They could easily hold this stuff till later. Now, some of it they needed to get out, and we'll talk about that, but I just got to say kudos for iRacing to continue to get these patches out and updating stuff well two of the things two of the general biggest parts of this patch were affected for something for this week right so yeah so let's talk about that daytona what did they change there well it's kind of unfortunate 
it's it's interesting that they waited till the Coke series was done and that last night's thing was done before they do it. Usually they do a Tuesday, would they not, when they do a patch, Tuesday or Wednesday? They waited till Thursday to patch it after all their events when they set those huge fast times and now they've slowed it down where you're not going to see those times anymore. Um, so they've added drag to the three series car, the Toyota, the Mustang, and the Chevy for the, on the track at Daytona. Um, and then in, they also changed the chicane, uh, the new chicane, and put higher curbs on it. So if you go over those curbs, you now get damage or um, it throws the car completely out of whack. It's And they've added a couple of things to that whole area to change the way it looks like. different. There's now a six and a seven board meter on the wall instead of just the five, four, three, two, one. They've added six and seven to it. Um, and, and they've just changed the way the whole system looks like color-wise too. They've changed it to a yellow uh, curbing. Um, but what it's done is, I guess, the exploits to get the fast times that some of the guys are running this week are gone now. And I get why they did it. Just interesting, they waited till all their TV stuff was done to do it and now put it out. Well, I don't think the timing's based on that. I think it's based on NASCAR making changes at the track. They're getting this information real time and they're making the changes real time. I haven't seen anything saying that they're doing this at the track in NASCAR yet, though. Well, I did see a post from Tyler Hudson uh, right before the show. I don't have a link, but it did indicate that he said they were making these uh, curb changes based on what NASCAR was doing on the track. And we were just fo- they were just following what they were doing. And because people were complaining that the cars were getting damaged and this and that. Well, I think it's just interesting that they put a higher curb up when they have, I don't think the NASCARs are going to go to that high curb because the last time they had that high curb problem, look at the problem they had when they did at the Roval, they were causing all those wrecks. That was with a bad chicane, obviously, but this one you're not going to see as huge as issue, but I just think it's, it's quite interesting. Once all those times got set and all their stuff was done, yeah, the rest of the week they throw it out. It, it, it doesn't matter to me that they've done it. It's just interesting when they chose to do it. And I just, I just didn't know if it, if it is because NASCAR is changing it, then that's fine. I can't, you know, I'm fine with it, but yeah. it's just an odd thing to do later on. You know, they may have gotten the information late, but also bear in mind, imagine if they had put that patch out on Tuesday morning when all those guys had already done all those laps for the week getting ready. Yeah, good um, point. And, you know, yes, we have NIS still coming up, but we're not racing for a $300,000 prize pool. So those guys deserve a little bit of a chance to get to practice and prepare for what, what they're getting ready for, considering they are the, the pros. Why the actual pros aren't? Yeah, but this is not real racing. This is sim racing. Just saying. What you saying, dog? <laughs> you can't catch COVID over the internet, though. <laughs> are you sure? Anyways, let's not go down that tail. But I'm just saying those are the biggest uh, things that we've gotten uh, changed. The I think the drag that they put in the cars is so that you can. I think it was to make the chicane on the backstretch and the uh, and the new chicane come into play maybe for more of a passing zone too because now you can kind of draft up on a car um whereas before you weren't really sucking up on them by the time you got to the chicane i i would guess they're trying to match up lap times to real life that too and uh yeah should be interesting all right uh housekeeping notes uh 
Hey, we love hearing from listeners. Our email is iracerslounge at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us a link with story ideas. Just a link. That's all I need. And we'll make it a story. So thank you for your involvement. Don't forget we're on the Performance Motorsports Network uh, over there uh, with those guys. And uh, next up, hardware, software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Well, let's uh, look at VR. I don't know anything about VR. Um, <laughs> no, this, uh, they're calling it the world's most advanced VR XR uh, for industrial use. So I guess it's, from what I've been kind of getting from it, I'm, I'm, I haven't really fo- focused on it totally here, but it's an eye-tracking VR, which to help, um, it's kind of more to help advanced vr would it from what i'm looking at it would was that what you would think mike what they're talking about here yeah it's got integrated eye tracking um inside the vr goggles and the idea is uh you develop the software to integrate that you know you use that as to guide what you're presenting visually kind of reminds me what they did uh a couple years ago um with one of the f1 drivers where they had eye tracking stuff on him to see where his eyes actually were tracking while he was going around the track and they couldn't actually believe where he was looking while he was driving but this kind of technology i guess would be helped to kind of maybe immerse yourself even more in decisions and stuff and games uh, that it would be part of uh would be interesting to see what people could develop with this type of technology well you could move a mouse with your eyes Pretty much, yeah. Like it's there's there's endless possibilities of what you're you could this kind of a, would this not also be kind of like something to help um, medical with, surgery? Yeah, yeah. You know, that or yeah. Um, what I'm talking about, like physically enable people, like you know, you could use your eyes to, like my Dave was saying, to use a tracking mouse when maybe you don't have the use of your arms or something like that, right? Yeah, there's a great video on this too uh, at that MRTV. Uh, Brian, you found that web that uh, YouTube channel. He does a lot of VR stuff, and uh, boy, these things look robust. It's like almost like it has an external. I'm guessing is that two external camera sensors? Maybe I guess there's sensors that are on it. It's not a cheap for the developers edition, but um, it's something obviously that the future of VR is, they're thinking of. Obviously, while they're developing these things. Look at the 340 mark of the video, how it attaches to your head and it's, you know, adjustable and it's just, I love the design of it. It's like the best looking VR goggles I've ever seen, but they do cost $10,000. Is that right? Yeah, just a measly, uh, what does it say? $9,995. Or $9,995. So, that's you all. know, that's all. I'm wondering, like... To be honest, David, and I know Dave and I are both we're we're all, we're all mostly running the, you know, the Oculus. It basically looks like an Oculus, don't you think, David? Uh, yeah, it actually doesn't seem to have as many cameras, um, but it looks like it's got a little bit better. The strapping does look better. Um, what it's a little bit interesting having that wire come over the top like that. That doesn't that didn't seem like good placement for the USB port. 
I'm wondering if it's just maybe just for that because it's kind of like a developer's design one too, right? Ah, uh, yeah. possi- possibly. I would I would put that somewhere else. Well, I'm hoping someday that wire, like the wire, is the most nuisance thing of VR in general, right? I mean, as soon as technology gets to where they don't have to have it, it'll be a lot better. But um, obviously, we know why they have to have it now. Yeah, I don't know how you not have the wire, but it just has to be, I guess, like the technology has to get to the point where it can transfer data an easier way, I guess. So who is going to be the first iRacer to spend $10,000 on this and try it and let us know if it works? Brian, you ready to go? Yep, I'm, I'm on it. No David problem. Flowers <laughs> was going to buy some goggles. I doubt that's going to be his next purchase. Come on, Flowers, get it done. Take a second mortgage. The next thing we have up is another Barry Rowland uh, Sim Racing Garage review. He works on the Motion Gear 2U end. And I'll be honest, they run, it runs about $2,500, it looks like. I did not really get a chance to watch the video on this one. Um, but if you, if you just check out Barry's review, he will definitely give you pretty much the best review you can get on, it, on any of this, especially the motion hardware. He really knows what he's looking for in those fills. It's a, mo- it's a seat mover is what it is. It just moves the seat. Ah, right, yeah, I see right. that now. Yep. Yeah, if you look at the fifty-three minute mark, you'll see it moving. But um, for a seat mover and for that price, I mean, that's not too bad. That seems affordable, um, considering uh, we've seen seat movers before. Uh, I did watch not all the video, but I did watch the last part of it, uh, where he described, you know, his what he thought about it, but. He liked it. I mean, for being a, a seat mover, and he's tried a few of them, uh, he indicated he liked it. Now, the way he built this thing is, you, you you know, it sits like 8, 10 inches tall, and then you mount the seat on top of it, and he just kind of dropped that in a 80-20 rig, and he just kind of built 80-20 around it, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. Um, and another thing uh, that uh, David mentioned earlier in one of the, our other rigs is that, you know, your seat's going to move, but your monitors are not. So uh, it would prob- might be a little bit better for VR in that case because you're not worried about the monitors being stationary while you're jumping around on this thing. Well, the other thing that really gets me with this kind of setup is the wheel's not moving with the seat. Okay, so the wheel is stationary. So you're turning, you're holding onto the steering wheel that's not moving, but you're moving because the seat's moving. I think it'd be better for the the steering wheel, the pedals, and the seat to be moving all together as a whole. Yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose because if it starts moving you one way, you're kind of losing your whatever you're doing your input into the wheel. It, it's not true, right? Because you're moving away from it, which you wouldn't normally be. Well, it doesn't take much to trick the mind and give the mind that that you know sensation. Uh, based on what Barry said, it works pretty good. Um, but I, I'm sure it's not the same as a proper motion rig that moves the whole thing. Yeah, and, and it's not moving radically enough so that the, the distance between your seat and the um, steering wheel becomes like really exaggerated. I mean, it definitely it definitely has it definitely doesn't move with your steering wheel, but it it doesn't get so far away in the videos that I see from uh, from Barry that it looks like it's just completely out of whack. 
Yeah, Google search Motion Gear 2UN, $2,500. And I think it's Korean. Um, it does say free shipping is only available in Korea. That's how I presume that. But uh, it does look like they ship it worldwide. Um, we got another virtual racing experience thing to talk about. Tony. Ah, <laughs> transition. Yes, we got another company up here, uh, Simnatex, and they will design and build custom racing simulators and accessories for personal and professional use. Um, I should probably open up the website so I can see what the heck I'm looking at here. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois is where they're based out of. But it looks like it's just a start up there because they got a big coming soon right on the main main page yeah they are um they do have some pictures of some of their work down below so first off um i mean they they zoom in up it looks like a a 3d printed uh dash sort of deal but they got a wind simulators hooked up to this thing little lcd panel uh mounted on the inside it's all in unfortunately it's all in black and white so it's um I see a bunch of holes. I don't know if those are speed holes or LED light hole. I imagine the ones at the top would be. Um, if you click on to the Facebook link, uh, you'll see the uh, wind uh, thing that he's selling, the wind kit, so to speak. And he's got it uh, uh, selling on Etsy, and there's a link to Etsy, and that's where he's actually selling the stuff. So if you click through to the Etsy, You'll see that uh, he got a, a couple different options here for the wind simulator. Uh, 480 CFM at $329. He's got another kit, 960 CFM, $479. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and these are complete bolt-on kits for Fanatec uh, direct drive bases. Um, I guess he, they're also available with the universal mount. I mean, uh, from what I see, this stuff looks pretty good. Uh, yeah. I don't don't know much about the you know the whole wind simulator, so I can't really comment on the price. So I'll just keep that part to myself. But um, it does look nice. It does, and it looks like it's a complete kit from the pictures and stuff. Uh, it's got wiring, tubing, uh, everything. The the blowers and and everything are in a bright red, so it's kind of pops at you um kind of impressed with simnetics is what it's called so definitely in vr would be an interesting experience as like just if like david we, we've talked about this many times in the open wheeled open or open cockpit vehicles this would be an interesting experience with it it's wild what you can see in those open cockpits and I think these things would just, you know, it just adds a layer of immersion, right? Like it's just all these little things that you that are being created to to just up the uh, up your interest in, you know, what it's like to be in a real car and not actually have to, you know, pay or worry about crashing one. Yeah, he's also selling a Dash product as well. Um, and that looks pretty cool as well. It, it's got a little display, and it's got the RPM color gauge thing across the top. 
and it kind of sits right above the Fanatec DD1, and it looks like he's even got a integration with the uh, Windux as well. So if you're gonna, so if you're gonna buy the Wind Machine, you can get this dash to integrate with it. Yeah, the Facebook pictures are a much better representation right now. Like I said, the the website's still a work in progress, but uh, yeah, he's got some nice looking stuff here for sure. Yeah, the the dash with LEDs two twenty nine, and then the uh, the one with the uh, fan integration, uh, two fifty nine. Also, Mike, I was just put, looking through to see because it obviously shows red a lot on the site. It does come in the available colors of red, blue, yellow, orange, and black, and different colors are available upon request. That uh, seems pretty reasonably priced. There's a there's a there's a dashboard a little further down. That, uh, that we're going to be looking at that uh, that is a quite a bit a little bit more than that by by some somewhat and uh, I think this looks as as good as if not better. Is this a is this an American company? Uh, Chicago, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's from Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, you know, for two fifty nine, get the the dash with the the fan integration and then buy the $329 simu you know, wind kit to go with it. You know, that's, uh, you know, 500 and almost $600. Well, you'd have a really nice bolt on, you know, to almost any rig. Well, uh, speaking of bolting on, um, there is, uh, an iRacing member by the name of, uh, Marcus Lindsay. And he, sh he posted on the, the forums, how he mounted his, MPPC pedals to a Simlabs P1X chassis. So uh, what he does is uh, he shows you the he actually leaves links uh, in his uh, in his post here for um, the shaft collars that he used and uh, the bearing blocks and uh, these are the these are the parts that he used to come to uh, to mount that MPPC pedal to a Simlab P1X. So if uh, if that's what you're looking to do, uh, Marcus Lindsay on the iRacing forums uh, shows you these uh, the links to these uh, items that will make that happen. This is absolute gold for me, and I really put this on the script so I could search it in the future and find it when I decide to upgrade my cockpit to 8020 uh, and have to figure out a way to mount my MPPC pedals because that's what I have, which are main performance PC SIM pedals. And uh, mine hang from a custom bracket that's made for the Obato Revolution. And um, there's no way I can just like convert this onto a 8020 easily. And so I've always kind of shied away the, of the idea of, of getting a different rig because of that. Uh, but now, thanks to Marcus, uh, he's engineered a way to basically attach these uh, particular pedals to a sim labs. And boy, if I can attach them to a sim labs, I can probably attach them to anything with this uh, solution that he's come up with. So kudos, Marcus, and uh, to anyone who has my pedals, you might want to check this out. Yeah, that was that was really cool of him to add all that information. He he didn't really have to do that, and uh, to to um, help somebody out like yourself who who wants to do this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have some flex on my wheel with this eighty with this particular rig, and you know, is it enough to want to have to go buy another one? Maybe not, but 
at some point I can I imagine I'm gonna upgrade. Yeah, and, and it doesn't look like the parts are gonna kill you price wise to, to make that work either. Right. Okay, uh next up uh simhub dash dot com. Okay, uh they it's a program where you can add external hardware to your simulator from dashboards to base shakers. Many possibilities are available and everything is modular. It's similar to Sim Vibe and from Sim Experience. Um and so they have a download now uh <clears throat> software. Uh they have a create your own dashboard uh studio where you can kind of design how you want it to be um, to show on a secondary monitor, phone, tablet, or more. Uh, it uses Arduino. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I don't know a lot about it. I uh, I do use SimHub um, to power my um, my butt kickers. So I have two separate butt kickers, and SimHub, you know, the uh, it's got the base shaker uh, programs on there where you can isolate the different channels that they're on, and it has a lot of different options about what effects you can uh, turn on and off and, and increase or decrease uh, the, the, the volume or the, uh, the, the uh, shaking ability of it. So uh, it works really well. Um, it's a free program too, that's completely free. Uh, so um, I used it and I actually donated to the website because I liked it so much and it saved me so much money over the SimVive program from Sim Experience, which is like a $90 program that you have to get that, that does the same thing for your uh, for base shakers. So it's basically a free version of the SimVibe, which is normally 90. Exactly. It does a lot of the things that SimVibe does. Yeah. SimVibe does a lot, though. It, I mean, it runs uh, their, their wheel and their seat and various other things that Sim Experience offers in addition to base shakers. Uh, but this SimHub, it works as a you know, base shaker software replacement, so to speak. Right, and it does it does do all the overlays and things like that that that, uh, that you can um, do with that SimHub program as well. Um, I, I use VR, so I don't really use the overlay stuff. But um, but for as far as the base shakers go, I can tell you it works great. So we're also on to the next one, uh, Race Lab app. Um, so if you go to Race Lab uh, Race Lab Apps dot com. Um, it's basically a free app overlay um, that uh, he's designed here, uh, and it shows, you know, it's basically like your any of the other types of ones, but he's got uh, standings, uh, advanced pa a panel of stuff. You got fuel calculator, head-to-head -head flags, uh, inputs. I've seen some of the input telemetry. I was wondering on some of these other streams where that's come from, so maybe it's from his inputs here. But it's a, it's a so basically a nice little overlay lap app that you can have here for your streams and things like that. Um, he does ask for donations. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, it's another app you can add to uh, for overlays. Actually, one thing that stands out with this one here um, is, you know, the, the easy VR integration. It's actually just got a VR button. And if you're using anything but, but uh, Oculus, um, it's pretty much just a one button click and it'll, um, show up in your, in your VR. That's handy. This might be the thing that we need to look at to, uh, David for, cause it has even the boost stuff for your, uh, 
um, LMPs. I already have. I've already pretty pretty much set with the JRT overlay, um, and Oculus has has uh, overlay stuff built in basically. So you just so check it out. Yeah, I actually downloaded this one uh, last night. Was kind of hoping for just a quick, um, you know, a quick start. Just to, I needed. To, I wanted to get a fuel calculator put onto my into my VR, and it's not quite as easy with the Oculus. Like it's it's still like a, a windowed, and you still got to use the uh, virtual desktop idea. Um, but from my understanding, is all the other. Uh, types of VR, you just hit that one button and then, and it, and it works right away. Brian will have to test that for us. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I wouldn't mind trying some overlays on my headset. And I, I have the reverb, which uses the steam software. So it's a little different than Oculus. Tony, this rig has to either inspire you or, um, or something. Or disgust you maybe or something. This is probably the crappiest rig that we have actually talked about on this show. Um, so uh, this guy. All puns intended? All puns intended. Oh, heck yeah. So this is like uh, an indoor like Portageon um, portable toilet. And he's zip tied his, uh, his wheel to it. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot more to say than that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why uh, you could ask the question why. I don't think that part really matters, but he done it. We seen it. We've talked about it. And thank God he's got a bottle of Lysol wipes uh, sitting on a table <laughs> right next to him. You know, cleanliness well, that's, that makes is next it all to better. godliness. He also doesn't have to go. In, I mean, you, this takes care of the problem, right? Remember, you know, people getting suspended for pulling over and using the bathroom. <laughs> this is your man do her up this is your your answer to to that uh little dilemma you had now, um or if he just gets a little motion sickness with that vr he's he's got a place to go as well does anyone really think it's funny the way he pointed out the end it has proven itself time and time again <laughs> so for our audio listeners i'm going to try to describe what i see so in front of an entertainment center is a walker. It looks like a walker a, a grandpa would use, you know, where you stand up and you put your hands on either side. And, and in the middle of the walker, kind of suspended there, is a bucket, it, basically. And it's a, you know, a poop bucket, so to speak. And apparently you're supposed to go potty in it um, kind of thing. But, yeah, you see zip tied to it a G29 wheel. Nice. And imagine if you crashed... Shit would be everywhere. <laughs> Did he empty it first? <laughs> I mean, I think we could probably uh, do this all day. <laughs> so many things come to mind. And he's well, he's got look a how solid the seat is though too. Yeah, I mean, he picked it's a, a quality seat. Style. It's got the formula uh, contour to it. Why didn't he just cut a hole in the seat and put a bucket underneath? That's version two. It's coming. Two boy no. The seat's kind of like a lawn chair, but it's soft. Yeah, it's very flimsy kind of look to it. Yeah. It's got PSVR beside him. Okay, well, let's keep going. Heiskenveld Sim Pedals Sprint are now available in the U.S. Uh, Jens Percott has now opened his U.S.-based 
sim-motion gear shop and announce that he has these Heiskenveld sim pedals and base plates available without pre-order. They're going fast already. Don't delay. Now, this is a message from Darren Ganji. Uh, everyone remembers Darren Ganji. He ran uh, or does run or has run a very popular YouTube channel uh, on sim racing for quite some time. And we've We've covered so many stories from Darren that he's done on this podcast over the years, and uh, and he's involved in this business and uh, with this uh, with his good friend Jens Percott, and uh, you can actually email Darren at d.ganji at sim-motion.com if you have any questions or want to uh, place an order. Yeah, and I, I hope he still has some left because uh, uh, at start they started with ten sets and they were down to eight when they posted this. And this is actually at least a week old. We didn't get to it last week, so um, yeah, if, if that's what you're looking for, you might want to jump on this quick. Well, I think it's great that there's a U.S. price, you know, a place to buy it in the U.S. You know, because before when you you buy Heiskenveld, you pretty much are buying it from Europe. But he has a great website when you click through to it. Um, you know, it's all set up for purchase where you can uh, add it to the shopping cart. Price $7.99 plus shipping, and then the base plate was $99. And it still uh, looks like I can buy it right now, so it looks like they might still be in stock. All right. Well, what's uh, not in stock just yet is... Um Logitech's new G923 steering wheel and pedal set uh, that they just announced and are taking pre-orders for. It's a wheel and pedal set from Logitech. I guess it's the next step up in, in their line Not of really. wheels and pedals. Yeah, that's the biggest joke. Yeah, exactly. Well, everybody was version. everybody was expecting them to go big this time because of all the competitors. And what did they do? They went and did Logitech things like Logitech always does. Yeah, they, they stuck to their tried and true, what they've been using pretty much for for a while. Uh, apparently, there's a new force feedback system that we can talk about in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, it's $3.99, and uh, it's, it's basically uh, what you've been getting for Logitech for quite a while. Um, maybe small upgrades, but nothing that looks particularly uh, uh, inventive. Um, now, you know... Apparently, Logitech has their market set on just the either you know entry level sim racer or you know the part time gamer type of uh, racer, not not really going for the high end market or the uh, really enthusiast market. But um, I guess that's where they found their groove and that's where they're staying. Well, it's kind of <laughs> the funny thing is, is I, I mean we shouldn't scoff at Logitech stuff because. A lot of the pros are running Logitech wheels, and that's what they tried and true. They don't want to move from it. I just, the reason that it seems to me when I saw this advertisement for it is they're only pushing this. The new PS5 and the Xbox Series X were, are, you know, a rumor, obviously, they are coming out in the fall. So I'm guessing that they push this to go with it to you know have another thing out there saying okay we got this wheel it's the same thing but they got it to be able to go out with uh when uh they have their new hardware systems come out yet it has been confirmed that a lot of the old series wheels are going to finally be supported on the next generation stuff which never usually happens they always have to 
switch over to another generation with the new generations of the wheel, but it sounds like they're going to go back to the old wheels um, for the new generation stuff. Uh, so I don't know if they're trying to push this out to go with that, uh, especially the PlayStation one trying to go with the uh, Gran Turismo being forced with that. Um, I just, I'd like to see Logitech go somewhere different and see what they could actually make because they seem like they could make something for a better cost uh, for the market as well because their stuff is always available. Like you can always find a G was a G29 or whatever the G29 and stuff like that right now. It's really hard to f get the other stuff built and uh, here for you. Like look at the back orders on Fnatic stuff and all that. Well, I may be out on an island here, but I'm very much okay with this. Um, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, the the price is uh, is perfect for you know someone like me. I mean, I'm going to be in the market for um, a new uh, wheel and pedals here uh, very very soon. And you know, yeah, it's it's not gonna, it's not like mind blowing stuff. They added a couple of new things, but um, Logitech stuff is is solid. Um, and, I, and I've still got my Driving Force GT wheels, and they still work fantastic. Um, so I'll probably be picking one of these uh, these up here when I'm when I'm ready to buy. And not to I don't mean to say this to besmirch Tony, but this probably for the most part doesn't target the guy who wants to spend a lot of money on a wheel. All right, I guess that'd be the best way to say it. That's a good entry level uh, thing. The thing is, it's not an upgrade much over what they already have. So I don't think a lot of people were disappointed with that. Uh, hoping Logitech might get into a belt driven or maybe a direct drive or something like that. But of course they didn't. Now this thing does have true force feedback is what they call it. And apparently from what I've read, it's just some kind of vibration or something that's added that's different or in addition to the regular feedback. Um, David Tucker did uh, put in the forums that iRacing already supports this feature. Well, it definitely is going to be a market for, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's reasonably priced. It's, it's in the right market for the beginner slash, you know, uh, a little bit more. And it's somebody that's looking for something new over a used, right? I just wish it was a little cheaper. I mean, when I first started... I bought a G27, I think I paid 250 and that was the entry point. Now the entry point's 400 All right, let's jump into Fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, doubleheader weekend. Um, you had to be on a game. Uh, and I know there was a, a few people on... Uh, fantasy that missed out on the Saturday. Um, but it looked like pretty much everybody was out in full force on the Sunday. So that was uh, really good to see. Mike, I think you missed out on the Saturday. Yeah, I see I fell down the standings a bit. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, checking it out through the live uh, live standings and noticed that you didn't eat, that one of your uh, spots was completely empty. So you had somebody in there the, the previous week or previous or the last time that you've run out of uses. And I mean that's that's the story right there. Uses, um, <laughs> and it's a 
you know, trying to figure it all out this weekend here. Like I, I had a plan going in and, um, you know, that plan was shaken up a little bit just by how things had turned out, um, on the Saturday race. So I've now obviously had to do some adjusting for the, for the remaining races going in. Um, but, uh, boy, oh boy, it's, it's exciting. And I was able to maintain my, my lead. Um, but it's getting gnawed at, uh, I'm not, I'm not ahead by, by too much, just a few points. And it was actually a pretty rough weekend for myself. So hopefully my, my plan going into this weekend will work out in my favor. Only time will tell. We don't have any history. We don't have nothing. So, you know, just like the drivers were running this one blind. Um, I don't know if I want to run this like a, um, like I would a, uh, plate track or you know what do i do uh, i still haven't figured it out but i'll have a plan come saturday um i make a suggestion look for uh look for who was strong at a track like either Watkins Glen or the roval the roval would tell you the most the only problem is obviously is the lack of time and no setup building it's just basically throw on the track which is the biggest loophole right well, yes, but there's, there's, um, you know, there's two standouts to me and, you know, it's, uh, Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson. They've both ran the, uh, the Rolex 24. I'm sure there's other guys that have, um, Clint Boyer. There you go. And like, I'll, I'll have all that information before I make my picks. But, um, that being said, it's, it's Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson and, neither one of them are having a very good year this year. And, you know, they've pretty much burned me on every time I've used them. So, uh, you know, what, what's the call, right? Um, Kyle's probably the safer bet. Yeah, you would think so. You would think so. But, uh, you know, he's just been, you know, hot garbage this year. Uh, starting to kind of redeem himself a little bit the last few races, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we'll do a, uh, quick rundown of the top 10. Um, TG1 Racing, myself, still in first, barely hanging on. Just in time. Uh, second place, he he's wants that first place back. I'm going to make him work for it, but um, he's he's doing a good job. Smiling Ninja, she's in third. Res Dog in fourth. G.I. Jojo, fifth. Jedi McFly, I think he's dropped down a few. I know he uh, he missed out on the Saturday race. Um, KBM seven Laird racing in eighth, Carrie Seal in ninth and team 207 is in 10th place. Now, I don't know who team 207 is. They must've changed their name. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the top 10 and there's a bit more of a spread, uh, now that we're getting a little, getting near the end within the top 10. But uh, what are we looking at here? You know, 10th to 16th is only, you know, a couple hundred points. Um, so there's a, a good battle there to, to be able to get into the top 10 that's uh, still very much doable. I think the other thing we should look at for this weekend is maybe turn to who your good sim racers are too for, if you think about it. 
all this practice time, if they're going to be using Sims, it might be they might be able to capitalize early on in the race and get the spots more than guys that um, aren't great sim racers over actual track time. Yeah, but equipment is still a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if Timmy Hill's going to win. But I'm talking about like a guy like William Byron's like a huge uh, wild card. And he has equipment. Yes. Plus they have the Chevrolet... They would have time in the Chevrolet simulator too, I'm sure. Yeah, it's um, there could be some you know big winners uh, this week, some big losers this week. Uh, it's 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 going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun chat next week as to how this weekend plays out. I kind of wish what they would have done is the first laps on the track would have been their qualifying. Just go out for one lap, qualify. And then do it. But obviously, if they would have wrecked the car, then it kind of defeats the purpose. And I know why they're not doing it. But do one lap, because then it could get guys that are actually good at the track where they should be posting. Because a guy like William Byron or guys that could be fast could be really far back just because of all what's happened this whole season, right? Like Kevin Harvick's up front because of what he's doing before he got to this race, right? Yeah, but if they don't want to take the backup cars, you can't. Uh... Yeah, I know that. exactly why they're doing it. Like, obviously, they're only going to have one car go down, right? Right. Or, or, or I'm sure they bring more than one, but they probably only prepare one, right? I think they only take one, if I remember correctly. But I could be wrong. Maybe there's one backup for the, a team. But I, they, I don't think they can go to a backup car because there's, no, there's nothing that would actually ruin on a backup car. Unless it's a double header weekend, car. yeah. Unless it's a double last, header weekend, they had there's no reason. Last weekend, right? Because obviously the truck stays there with two cars in it. But because we got four races left, we got this road course, two Dovers in a row, Saturday, Sunday, and then we go to a big wild card at Daytona. All right, let's get into results. Results is sponsored by Ucora U C O R A 2020 Throwback Indie Series, the iRacers Lounge Podcast poll award will be uh, given later tonight right after the recording and guess what guys i'm in the race i am signed up david you're with me right as well as tom and i'll be going on the broadcast to uh kind of preview our show actually okay great and uh i get just got signed up with scott bolster who was on last night uh yeah let's go run it we're gonna run uh phoenix tonight in the old indie car and uh, i'm gonna probably try to start in the back since i'm new to the league and trying to not run over anybody and uh see if i can uh, piece my way through there but let's talk uh, nis next do us proud tonight boys yeah yeah man right. go get them yep uh nis let's finish up michigan uh i'll go first p23 on uh friday open got up high as second and third but always faded after about 20 laps uh usual wrecker wrecked the field and i got caught up as usual but it felt good to, to run up there in the front um at least on the short run uh tony rochette was wrecked by dumbasses underneath him who couldn't hold a line and then Greg, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, I kind of was trying to remember what this race was, but then I remember it was the green, white checkered. Um, I had taken the lead late and just able to stay out. And there was multiple cautions in the last, I think, 10 laps and just was able to restart and get away and uh, hang on for the win. Because the problem with that track is, is 
those three laps don't give you much. Like in, in the green white checkered, if I would have uh, gotten to the yellow, the white flag, and then let they probably would have caught me on the back stretch. But there was a caution just as we got the white flag, and got into uh, turn one, and that's what saved me because the draft is just way too strong on the first couple laps. All right, moving to Sunday Open, David Hall, P. Blah. Yeah, and I also uh, had a race on Friday, P19, and then I don't remember what position I got on. I wasn't good at Michigan, so it was P. Blah. I just, I wasn't good there. Okay, Brian, you got P23. Yeah, um, I qualified halfway decent. I was in the race with uh, Tony Rochette. Um, he was doing great, and I was, I, I, I think I was running the same set as him and was starting to make some good progress. And um, I lost my displays on my headset. Everything went completely black. Uh, luckily, it was under caution, but still, I, I just, I could still hear everything. So I know it wasn't an issue where um, I was out of the race altogether. So I just kind of like pulled into the grass and called a, a tow truck to get me back to pit road. I got the thing fixed up. Everything was fine. But, you know, by then I was a couple laps down and I, I like the new um, tire limits, which is, it's I think it's a great feature to add, but it completely ruins any chance of recovering multiple laps down because, you know, people don't get tires on a regular basis like they typically do under caution. So, uh, you know, I made a few laps back, a few uh, um, places back up, but wound up in, in 23rd. Yeah, that's the one outcome that's changed is wave arounds are very rare now um, in the NIS series, uh, but when before you could almost always get a wave around. Exactly, yeah, and and you get a couple laps down, there's just no other way to make it back up. It, the wave around is almost non-existent now, because even if, even if a lot of cars do go in, you'll just get that one guy who just decides he's going to stay out with a little bit older tires uh, to get some track position, and you can't get the wave around. Well, the main reason the wave around is is there is for when you basically get green flag stops interrupted, right? Uh, in most other cases, when you're a lap down, something you know really bad happened. And there's some situations where it can happen, but yeah, um, you pretty much have to be only really get to use it if you had just pitted and just gone a lap down, and everybody that's still out is on really old tires. Okay, Tony Rochette uh, was fast. He led 23 laps. Got Dord fighting for fourth on a restart with nine to go. He wrecked himself. I had damage. That sucks. And now Daytona Road. Uh, let's talk about Wednesday Open. Uh, David, you start P18. No, I finished P18. I think I started P16 or so. Yeah. Um, you know, it was top split. I was running there with the big boys and just... I ran a clean race, and so did 17 other people. <laughs> yeah, it's like we talked about with Evan before. It's all about track position because there wasn't a lot of passing. I mean, it was like you ran where you qualified it, unless somebody screwed up. Yeah, I, I, I passed actually a few people and got past a few times. It was just um, that was the pace I had. You know, the 17 people in front of me were faster. Okay, Greg, you got P11. Uh, yep, that was, I think Mike, you and I were in that split. I spun out early and I went to the back of the pack and had to drive my way back through um, and got up to 11th and probably a top five to seven car. Um, Didn't you actually end up getting the penalty because pit road exit oh, was blocked? That was the other thing. Thank you for reminding me of that. 
someone spun at the end of pit road and was stuck across sitting across the end of pit road when i was coming out of my pit stop and i had to move out of the way to go on the other side uh around that that line that ends up when you come out of pit road i went on the other side of it to get around this car because it wouldn't move and yeah and it gave me a, a drive-through so i had to do a drive-through as well um and still ended up with the p11 so yeah i probably would have been a top five car thanks david for reminding me of that okay and then i ran as well uh p31 uh started off okay on the first lap but about halfway through it i got stacked up in the infield and i got front end damage wasn't too bad but somehow over the lap over the first three laps i had 13x um I soldiered on, was holding my own, and around halfway, it blew up, and the motor gave out. Uh, got 17 championship points with a, a P31. Uh, I'm one and done, man. I was bad, bad out there. I, I overdrove the braking zones. I don't know if it's a mental block with that particular track, but I'm so used to driving the Ferrari and, and sports cars and stuff that I just can't retrain my brain that quick. I just didn't, I did some practice laps, I did. I came in early, I, I did some laps, but it wasn't enough. I couldn't retrain my brain and uh, yeah, I blew it. Yeah, I imagine your break points are a little bit different. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, Tony Rochette, uh, P4, best finish ever on an NIS road course. He says, loving the day trovel the day trovel i like that it makes me think of betrothal so if you get if you get engaged at the uh at, at the roval you get betrothal at the detrovel okay title idea loving the day trovel i like that i'll make sure and insert some crickets there in the in the edit as well <laughs> greg uh thursday open p5 this was, uh, I didn't get my qualifying lap in because I just nicked the grass. So I got a 1x, so I did disqualify my time. So I started P22 uh, in top split and <laughs> drove myself through the field up to uh, P5. And uh, I'll take it, top split, now that I'm up at the top splits now um, because of the way I've been going this week, going crazy. I actually watched a little bit of that on your Twitch channel, and uh, and you're really blowing people, blowing by people. It was really impressive. That was a good job. Let's talk other official. Greg, you've been what I call farming successfully. Gained what seven hundred I rating or something this week, but A open, uh, you've been kicking butt. Yeah, from A open, I've finished anywhere from I probably at ten plus races. I think I just posted before the the race i've done 272 laps at uh, daytona so far this week and most of it's racing i didn't i haven't spent a lot of times in practice rooms completing laps i've been trying to get better in certain turns um but uh yeah i've ranged from first to 11th in a opens and that 11th was against the coke guys david and i were racing against the coke guys the other night uh in their monday night it was in their practice race on they usually use a open i guess Monday nights to uh, practice for their upcoming Coke race. And that was a pretty stacked field that we were in. And I'll, I'll take the 11th in that. And then Mike, you kind of told me, or you've, you always do the legend series. So I've been in, I've been using the NASCAR legend series to find farm I rating as well. And 
Yeah, so this week I've gone from 2603 up to, I think the last I saw my thing was at uh, 3227. I'm now I rated. Okay, Brian, you ran some ALPN P6. Yeah, it was uh, that was in Michigan again, and um, I was just so disappointed with what happened in, the, in my NIS race that morning. I was like, I really want to get back out there because I thought I had a fast car, and uh, and uh, yeah, I uh, started mid pack, moved up, um, and uh, finished P6. Uh, a little towards the end, we were on a long run, and I overcooked my tires because I was in the top four and uh, lost a couple positions when when my tires went away, but. Uh, it was again it was mostly just because i was so so disturbed by missing that messing up in that race uh, earlier in the day okay and then i skipped the sprint car payment series i didn't own the track this week i did run nascar legends to get some points one and done kind of thing p12 out of 19. i started 12th finished 12th i had no tires at the end of that race and uh I, I was overshooting the carousel every time. Um, those cars are so hard to slow down. and uh, But I was just glad to get some points and get out of there. And then, Greg, you ran the uh, ISCA uh, P4, but you were racing for the win. Yeah, I think you were commenting on it. I just lost it in the last corner. Um, I was going for the lead, and I could never clear the guy on the outside. And... A guy got a run on me on the bet, which I probably should have thrown the block for, and I never did. And um, yeah, kind of cost me uh, a win, but um, it's a, it was a very competitive race and a very clean race. Those guys are really good to race with. And it was a fun race. I watched that. Uh, the top four, you guys were duking it out there at the end, just trading the lead back and forth, and and uh, it was clean and it was fun to watch. All right, with that, let's get to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Well, uh, I haven't run my Daytona yet for NIS. Um, I did, did a decent amount of practice in it the other night, and um, I'm getting somewhat comfortable. I'm not quite where I want to be yet, but uh, um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in the challenge of trying to do that course. Road courses aren't my favorite thing, and I'm, and I'm not the best at them, but... If I, if I feel like I can just get consistent with it, you know, you know, it's, it'll take care of itself to a point. So that's what I'm going to be heading, doing uh, this weekend, and we'll go from there. Okay, David Hall, final thought. Uh, jump on the Global Sim Racing Channel broadcast and watch me and Mike and Tom take uh, to the Phoenix in that old IndyCar tonight. Yeah, Ucora, as, I, as I'm going to call it. Uh, U-C-O-R-A uh, League. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, should be fun. Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Um, just a little food for thought for anyone that just interested in something different uh, with VR and, and wanting to know some statistics that I've found behind it. And I posted this with you guys the other night just because I'm an oval guy from the statistics I'm finding from it. But um, I don't know if it totally connected to VR um, or not, but we kind of go through the season looking at our, our best finishes in NIS and things like that. Um, so I have this spot where before this season started where um, I called it before VR, where my average finish that I was finding for the season was, um, was at, at 18.6 I was getting. And then once I got VR and I've gotten used to doing it and driving for it, 
my average finish now is 4.45 uh, spot. So it's really improved using VR. Um, the other thing that I've noticed with VR, my average incidents for the first 26 races I've started this season in the NIS season were 8.84, which is obviously was pretty high for, for an incident rate for me. But over the well, since I got VR, it's been 5.2 um, over the last 26, uh, which is pretty much even. I've had 20, 52 starts in an IS since uh, since the start of the season, and it's split right down the middle with VR. And I don't know. I just racing VR seems to have changed the way my driving style is. So anyone that's thinking um, if there's a next step or something. You know, consider what your options are out there. There is things that can make you better. Um, I'm not saying that VR made me better, but it obviously was just something that I've added into my racing, and it seems to have uh, excelled it. So um, if you want to know any more, see how the VR is doing for me, you can follow me at uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus two K's. But um, I've got my stream up all the time, and um, I'm always willing to help people too out when we're out and racing too. I, I had a nice discussion after one of the races today with a bunch of the guys in the, at the road there, just chatting about where breaking points and things are like that. I mean, as the Irishers lounge here and any of the guys contest here, we're here for the community too, right? So. The only caveat may be that you were single monitor beforehand. So triples can can help with some of the same issues, but I'm in the same camp. VR is awesome, uh, it, especially in road courses. And, and you dominate on the on the stock car road courses. But just being able to see those apexes or or be able to look over and see if you've got a run on somebody or not is very handy. And it, it just feels like you're in the track. Well, and that's a good point, David. And I obviously... I've never run triples, so I don't know what I would have been like on a triple set and monitor. Um, but yeah, I was running a full or a single 32 inch monitor beforehand. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a, something to think about is there, there, the options are there to the immersion for me. I think the other thing is in VR being feel, the feel of being in the car kind of gives you, I think I can feel the car better. It feels for me. I, I, I don't know if it's actually any better, but it feels like it's better. You can feel the car getting loose. You can see it before it gets out of control. I know that for sure. Okay. Very good. Tony grows final thoughts. Oh, not a whole bunch of racing on my side. Been uh, <laughs> totally crap in the bed in the old bastards league i've actually disqualified myself from the last couple of races because i just can't seem to figure it out um but ah i will someday somehow but uh aftermath we got that happening uh this saturday and um i don't know if we're going to be able to top uh our last episode having will on was uh that was a great time what a what a fun conversation um, but, uh, this episode here, we do have a bit of a special, like unboxing. So we'll just leave it at that and let whoever wants to, to tune in, to tune in and check out some of the, some of that silliness. And just so you guys know, he won't even tell us. Ooh, exciting. Yes. I'll be tuning in. Yeah. That's us. Uh, you know, trying to, trying to pull downloads. Let's get them. Let's get them numbers up. Okay, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, 
even though the title is loving the day trovel of the podcast i've been hating the day trovel um it's just i've just junk out there guys i was embarrassed i you think i'm pretty good at i racing you know sometimes i i run pretty well i've gotten some big wins in my time i'm pretty good on ovals i can hold my own on on road sometimes but boy, them leaving Watkins Glen and doing this really hurt me. I think I could have went to Watkins Glen and got a top 15 maybe, and maybe got some more points. But uh, here, you know, I was embarrassed out there. I couldn't, I couldn't make it around the tracks, especially, and uh, ended up with a P31. So I didn't get much points. Kind of, kind of run out of this week with a, my tail between my legs, so to speak. And uh, looking forward to Dover for sure and uh, Daytona. Obviously, we're looking for wins at Daytona, so I uh, can't wait, can't wait, and kind of using this as some off time this week. All you guys need to learn to drive the road. I feel like I can, I mean, but I, I don't know, it's like retraining my brain, I guess I need to work on that, but uh, uh, how do you teach an old dog new tricks? I don't know. But with that, we'll uh, see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.